Welcome to I Want That, which is a podcast that focuses on the dynamic world of Disney merch. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill. And I am blogger, uh, podcaster, and designer Michelle Valladolid. And Michelle and I are recording this episode on Sunday, April 14th, 2019, which is Palm Sunday. And since we were a week out from Easter, I thought we might talk about how the Walt Disney Company has repeatedly tried to turn Easter and to another Christmas or Halloween at their parks and resorts, meaning a holiday you can celebrate for weeks, if not months, out ahead of the actual date of that holiday. And I'm looking forward to, to Disney's snake-whacking day. That's Weird Al, right? No, Simpsons. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. that I'm kind of embarrassed because you say I immediately thought it's Weasel Stomping Day for it's Weird Weasel Al. Weasel Stomping it's... Day, that's right. See, you know, you know your stuff. Yes, again, I gotta, I gotta refresh the Simpsons part of my brain. Yeah, well, you'll be able to on Disney Plus. This is true. Okay, but Easter. Now to get back to to Easter, that the the problem with Easter is it doesn't have an actual fixed date on the calendar, like December twenty fifth for Christmas or October thirty first for Halloween, right. and that's largely because of the whole Easter must be celebrated. After Passover, and because Passover is celebrated on the first full moon after the vernal equinox, and because the vernal equinox only occurs on the day when the sun shines directly in the equator, which means on that date, typically March 21st, we get equal amounts of sunshine and darkness. Because of all this lunar solar factors that go into determining when Easter is annually, Easter can slide all over the calendar. I mean, it can be as early as March 22nd or as late as April 25th. And and this year, it's kind of at the far end of that lunar solar cycle, April 21st. You guys doing anything special or? I'm going to give Alice her traditional Easter breakfast of a big basket of candy. Ah, okay. And of course, we're going to mass. Okay, getting back to Easter, those the wide range of dates for Easter can really trip you up if you're, you're somebody who's running a theme park. And this is why Walt Disney World opted to go with a spring-based event, the Epcot's International Flower and Garden Festival, which this year runs March 6th through June 3rd, uh, 12 weeks long, rather than try and tie a seasonal celebration at that resort back to Easter. And I'm actually waiting for the time that Flower and Garden ends the day before Food and Wine begins, because it's starting to do that. If you factor in what just happened with the International Festival of the Arts, which you know happened in the, the January chunk, there was some talk a few years back <laughs> of a festival that would be basically based in Future World. Oh, yeah. I heard you and Lynn talking about it. Yes. I want to say that the idea was it was they were going to bring back BattleBots and the high school teams were going to compete. And Oh, God, Rebecca Mosley will be so happy. But I was going to ask you something that just popped into my head. Do you remember when Alice was a baby and we went to Epcot and they had the International Doll and Teddy Bear Festival? Yeah, I do recall that. I, I think we wound up with a teddy bear out of that thing. They were trying a bunch of things. In fact, getting back to the, the science festival, in fact, I, I guess one of the reasons they were looking to do that is they were going to take part of, and I'm dating myself because I always call it Communicore. I can never, I mean, it's only so been called I. Intervention since 1994. Don't care. But they, at <laughs> one point, they were going to have the BattleBots set up inside of Communicore. 
or rather they're going to have the exhibits for the science competition thing. And I think there was one iteration where BattleBots was fought outside, which obviously the the Spaceship Earth thing in the background, reminding you, you really should book a vacation. And just for some reason, this never got off the ground. And then, of course, we now have what's about to happen with Communicore interventions. I mean, all that stuff's getting torn down to create sort of that lush green space, that super-sized fountain that's now going to stretch all the way to World Showcase Lagoon, and plus a whole bunch of brand new outdoor kitchens, just like the ones you find around World Showcase Lagoon. But sliding back to Easter. Easter has always been on Disney's radar. In fact, what, Michael Eisner came through the door at Disney in September of 1984, and one of the very first live broadcasts that he greenlit was the very first broadcast on ABC of the Walt Disney World Easter Parade. And, you know, that continued till 1999. That was great. I loved that. <laughs> Living in Hawaii, it was so nice. I always felt bad for the... I, what were the, the the daughters of, you know, the, the Confederacy or whatever it was, the ones who wore the giant dresses with the hats? Yeah, they know. had nothing to do with the Confederacy. <laughs> well, I mean, but you get what I'm saying. They all yeah. wore the Scarlet O'Hara dress, the Scarlet O'Hara right. dress. The Southern hat. Bells. The Southern Bells. And But they were some, they weren't Disney. They were some group that came in in March every year. And, and it just looked like that would be hard to wear just standing there, but to walk through an entire theme park in late winter, early spring, just <laughs> didn't look like fun. But, you know, what What does look like fun, though, is what Tokyo Disney does with Easter. Right. They go insane. Well, yeah. But the, and they don't what, even care what day Easter is. It's like uh, <laughs> March to June. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. I mean, over there, it's just sort of like, eh, you know, it's like Easter is when we say it is because they don't really celebrate the holiday. They They can kind of play fast and loose. With the whole thing. And Alice kind of clued me in, into some of the stuff they do. And, and take, for example, they have that Easter egg hunt that they run around Tokyo Disney Seas where folks work off of a special map. And uh, you're supposed to find Disney characters. Uh, and if you, you complete the map, you then get your very own special hair clip that has a Easter bunny ears on it. It and does. It's really cute. I'm kind of intrigued that that idea has come, let's see, is this west? It's got to be west, right? Or east? West. You just keep going, and eventually it's Florida. <laughs> Either way, if you keep going. So Epcot has, what is it called? The Eggstravaganza? Eggstravaganza. Uh, Get right. it? Get it? Yes, Arr. yes. This, this is very much a dad joke. Okay. <laughs> All right. So as I understand it, you pay six ninety nine for a map. They're available at Disney Traders, Pin Central, and the Port of Entry store. You then walk around Future World and World Showcase Lagoon, and you're looking for, what, 12 character eggs that yep. are hidden in various lands, that sort of thing. And, and then when you're done, you put your little stickers in the map. You bring the map back to the Disney Traders, and you're then allowed to take part in an egg scramble, which I guess is they have these Disney character eggs that you reach in and you randomly pull one out, and each of them has a prize inside. I mean, for example, the Briar Rose one has a lovely magnet of uh, the Sleeping Beauty character. The Minnie Mouse one has a sticker inside. 
it used to be until recent years, yep. you got a pin, a special pin for doing that at Disneyland. <laughs> I'm not sure what they did at Walt Disney World. I believe the phrase you're looking for is price point. Yeah, because it was like seventeen ninety nine or something like that mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're talking stateside. Extravaganza, at least the 2019 edition, uh, started on April 5th, runs through the 21st, Easter Sunday. Uh, however, we've been told by the folks at Disney Merch that this is a supplies is limited situation. And right. that when they sell out of these maps, that's the last of them. On the other hand, if you're like me and you view walking around Epcot is, you know, just this side of torture, they evidently the folks at Disney Traders are, are, have... If even if you just have one or two stickers on your map, they will allow you to take part in the egg scramble and get your your prize. Because it's not a pin anymore. Well, <laughs> you don't have you to go. put effort in. Okay. Oh, walk around, walk around. Epcot is heaven for me. I can't believe it's out for you. Sorry, I'm old. I remember, you know, a I'm man. I'm old in- too. Yeah, but I, again, I I sat as a small boy in front of a black and white television. And watched a man stand in front of a map with a pointer and talk about a futuristic city. Not a theme park, but hey, right, that's right. just No, me. my friend Dave feels the same way. He doesn't even want to come visit. Oh, okay. Because it didn't turn out to be the city. He's still so mad about it. Isn't that crazy? You gotta go let go at some point. I'm, I'm planning right. in my late 70s. Speaking of crazy, did hmm. you see the, the Easter mascot at Tokyo Disneyland? Yeah, we're about to get to those. The Usatama? That's the one. Usatama. At, at yeah. Tokyo Disney. Usagi is rabbit and right. Tamago is egg. Okay, so which so it's explains. It's a rabbit egg. Yes, and these characters have been in that park for Easter since 2017. In fact, they have a, they have a whole parade built around them, right? The, With the, the characters Us- trying to catch them. Yeah. Because which, they are little brats, they are. They're very mischievous. So that's in Tokyo Disneyland. Correct. And But across the way in Tokyo Disney Seas, we have the Usapio. Am I saying that right? Usapio. Usa for Usagi, rabbit, pio. Right. Because in Japan, <clears throat> chicks don't say chirp, chirp. They say pio, pio. You just said the magic word. Chicks. These are little yellow, well, not little. They're walk-around characters. They they, they look kids. like they could be related to Orange Bird. Because look at their heads. This is true. But the thing is, on top of their heads, they have a little chunk of shell. And they also, just like the Usatama, they have white rabbit ears sticking up. Yeah, when Alice and I first saw them, we thought that it was the Usatama that had hatched. But mm-hmm. Tokyo Disney says, nope. So, and their personalities are different, aren't they? Well, yes. The Usatama are mischievous, and the Usapio are supposed to be innocent and cute. Just like you. Eh, well, <laughs> I, I can't check any of those boxes. Now, speaking of boxes, people are filling up boxes with merch, the Usatama and the Usapio. Oh, it's crazy. They've got multicolored keychains. They've got plush. Mm-hmm. They've got the parade is themed around them. And mm-hmm. so they have some cute mini parade vehicles and stuff. Mm-hmm. They've got special meals because it's all about food mm-hmm. with featuring the characters. And okay. just a baseball cap you can wear that has rabbit ears on it. That's mm-hmm. adorable. 
Okay. Just the merchandise is fantastic. Now, Alice was showing me some of the pieces that are a little strange, like the Usatama backpack. It's a Mickey-esque figure in that it's an egg, but it's got the jet black arms that end in the white... And the gloves and the shoes. White finger, the three-finger gloves and the yellow yellow Mickey shoes. But again, the, the idea is that the egg is holding onto you and you're carrying it around the park, which I thought was cool. Was there anything else that if somebody were over there, they should be eyeballing, looking out for? There's a new Oswald. Oh. For Easter. And he's adorable. Okay. The Japanese, about three years ago, Mm -hmm. went crazy insane for Oswald. And there was Mm -hmm. Oswald everything. Mm -hmm. Noah and his collection. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got the sleeping baby Oswald and he's Mm -hmm. got the tissue holder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's just a million. But uh, this year, only one. Okay. Well, at some point, we're going to have to bring... Noah on the show because I I don't want him to talk about the Disney Oswald stuff that came obviously on the heels of you know Disney making the deal to trade Al Michaels for for Oswald I mm-hmm. I want him to talk about uh, wasn't it like just a year before that that Universal started doing Oswald stuff for the Universal Studios Japan uh, the well no fact, it was it was for the uh, machines the gachapon type tony uh ufo machines mm-hmm. tomi okay noah has some really great stuff but oswald is blue and yellow okay there's also a red one out there somewhere i don't know if mm. noah do you have the red one no he's only seen a picture of it okay but again japan just does wonderful wonderful elaborate stuff for easter and i guess if we go all the way back to 1956, where the very first Easter at Disneyland Park, and this is, in Walt's mind, the extension of the miniature train set that he had at his home be Kills Home. Right. And so it's all about transportation with Walt. It's all about cool vehicles. So what does he do for the first Easter at Disneyland? He extends an invitation to the auto restoration groups out in Southern California and invites them to bring their horseless carriages to Disneyland. And what they do is they have them parade up and down Main Street USA with folks wearing period costumes that Disney Studios had been nice enough to provide. And it was this lovely moment. And it was so successful, they com- they repeated it in 57. Mm-hmm. They were going to do it in 58, but evidently they had a very, very wet weekend. And since a lot Aww. of these old cars don't have roofs, right. they ended up scrubbing the event. But next, the very next year, it's Sunday, March 29th, uh, is when Easter is going to be held. And you have to understand that just 12 weeks from now, Disneyland's going to open its newly enhanced, greatly expanded Tomorrowland with the the submarine voyage right. and the Matterhorn right. bobsleds. And so here's Tommy Walker. He's the head of entertainment for the park. And he goes to Walt. It's like, look, I know you like the horseless carriages, but we're about to open this brand new futuristic section of the park. Shouldn't we just sort of as a prelude, you know, kind of as a tease, do something futuristic based? And Walt's like, yeah, Walt kind of sees the idea. And it's like, but, but it's Easter. How are we going to do anything futuristic for Easter? And he's like, I got it. Tommy, picture this, Walt. Rent a helicopter. We put a guy in an Easter bunny outfit. 
<laughs> and what he's going to do is we're going to fly the helicopter low over Main Street, USA, and he's going to go throw flowers, Easter lilies or, or okay. whatever, yeah. out the window to the, you know, the people on the street below. And Walt's like, yeah, okay, we could do that. So that's what they do. They, they read the sense a Jim Hill story coming. The thing is, we were talking about the WKRP connection, where I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, given what happens next, I'm totally convinced that at some point, one of the writers or somebody who worked on WKRP heard this story, that somebody had to have worked at Disney and shared it with Hugh Wilson and the folks who worked at MTM, because... Less Nesman at the mall, turkeys plummeting out of the sky. So what happened? They eventually settled on, okay, what flowers are we throwing out? And they said, okay, let's do orchids. And they picked these lovely white and purple orchids. But the, the fear was that because of the downdraft of the helicopter, that these really fragile flowers would just come apart in the air. And so it's like, well, how, how can we, what can we do about that? It's like, well, why don't we freeze them? And it's like that way they'll they'll have some rigidity, they'll have some structure and some weight. Yeah, some weight. Here we go. <laughs> so this is what happened. So they they again. As it's, God it's, is my witness, I thought frozen orchids could fly. Yeah, yeah. This is what happens. They they fly low over Main Street and they start dropping these frozen orchids oh, out God. of the plane that are driven down by the the, the downdraft. That actually, as is, is Michelle just suggested, have some real heft to them. And people are trying <laughs> to catch them and like, ooh, ow, ooh, ow. Oh, um, no. <laughs> Were there any concussions? Actually, I, I don't know from the orchids. But now, on the other hand, this is a helicopter flying low over Main Street, USA. And so, of course, you know, and this is a special occasion. So everybody who's working in the stores opens their doors to look out at the Easter Bunny and the helicopter and the lovely display of the orchids coming down. And as it flies low over Main Street, this cyclonic wind begins yeah. to oh, blow yeah. into all of the stores. We'd see that when, when we drove through Pendleton. Mm-hmm. Because we lived down south in San Diego, and they'd be doing war games or whatever, and one of those things would would be hovering low, and mm. it was like a tornado mm -hmm. around it. So you have all of this wind blowing into shops, knocking over merch. This is back in the days when 90% of the people who have shops on Main Street USA are lessees. So they've got the broken John merch. bottles crash. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Leeches everywhere. Oh, um, so <laughs> what? So they turned to Disney theme park managers and they're like, hey. Was Ari know. Bus Brothers there yet? God, I hope not. <laughs> oh, man, that's awful. I shouldn't laugh. I'm pleased to, to report at least that Walt had a sense of humor about this whole thing that actually he thought it was hilarious. And... Going forward, I mean, so they covered all the damages and Tommy kept his job. But going forward, any time that anybody at Disney tried to talk Walt into doing something new just for the sake of doing something new, he's like, let me tell you a story about a helicopter and a guy in an Easter bunny suit. <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of, of, of bunnies, once Michelle and I get back from this commercial break, uh, we're going to enter the rabbit fire section of this special Easter edition of I Want That. Before we get started here, you have a couple of things you would like to talk about, and 
Obviously, yeah. we're recording this on the very same weekend that the Star Wars celebration is going on in Chicago. And I guess you were talking about the Rise of Skywalker packaging? The packaging. The packaging for the toys and merchandise. Mm-hmm. Someone sent me a preview of it. Mm-hmm. A press person. It's really nice. It echoes the uh, last two sets of packaging. It's white with the right stripes or black with the red stripes. Mm-hmm. But the character is Kylo Ren again. Oh. And this time with his newly patched helmet. Okay. I hope that didn't spoil anything for you, but you're going to see it. All right. Very cool. Really, really badass. All right. Now, bearing the needle in the, the other direction, not necessarily badass, but still fun. What is this Disney emoji blitz? What are, yes, what is- I've been playing this game for like five years on and off now. Mm-hmm. And they're doing an Easter spectacular Mm-hmm. They're going to have uh, rabbit characters and special things where you find eggs. Very cool. And this is inspired by the Zumzums? Is that correct? Or? Yeah, yeah. Disney Emoji Blitz is inspired by the Sumsums. Mm-hmm. Not the okay. Simpsons, the Sumsums. T S U M T S U M. Ooh, I want a Simpson Sumsum. I just feel Actually, I think they have them, but they're not Sumsums because that's Disney. I'm sure okay. they will be Disney ones, but there are there have I've seen knockoff ones at Universal. Okay, well I, I'm sure that they can't hold a candle to the the other ones. And speaking of candles, hey, uh, yes, all right, we got another box in mag- of Magic Mail mm-hmm. from Circa Fifty Five Candles by Lux Alume, mm-hmm. and uh, really really nice box Jungle Cruise. Oh wait, no, you got that one already, didn't you? Yes, yes. It yeah, was, you it, like the smell of the candles, right? I did, I did. And more to the point, I was more impressed with, I mean, don't get me wrong with the lovely presentation, great smells, but the packaging, the, the, the theming is crazy detailed. Yeah, the people in charge, they're like Disney maniacs. So no. it, you can really tell. And no, no, the no, attention you're... to detail and their mm-hmm. knowledge of things, it's just incredible. And speaking of Disney fanatics, we had folks... A lot of folks respond with much enthusiasm to the the contest Book giveaway. The giveaway. There we go. That we set up on our last show. The nice folks like Signature. Uh, they're the folks who have the exclusive license with Disney to create those in the book line that that inserts the reader into the adventure. Anyway, they've given us a number of these beautiful hand bound books to give away as part of this podcast. And this time around, this week's randomly chosen winner is Taylor. Basabe. I hope I said that right. Okay. I can't even say my name right sometimes. Eh. Okay. Now, Taylor, (laughs) we're going to be reaching out shortly to find out whose name you'd like to have appear in this book. Likewise, which uh, Disney or Pixar themed book you'd like to have the folks at Signature personalize for you. Thanks to all of you who entered. And speaking of which, we're offering another in the book personalized volume to a lucky I want that listener today as part of today's show. So just send a message along to contest at jimhillmedia.com and Michelle and I will randomly select another winner from this week's pile of entries. And speaking of books and now getting back to talking about bunnies. Bunnies! How many of you remember the Disney bunnies line of merch from like 10 years ago? And that, that ringing a vague bell out there at all? Um. <laughs> vague. Okay. Vague. okay. I remembered it as being something totally different. I remembered it as being a bunch of the different Disney rabbits, like 
white rabbit and stuff, but actually it wasn't, was it? No, it was zeroed in on Thumper from uh, Disney's Bambi. And Thumper w was voiced by Peter Ben, who yeah. <laughs> an interesting and guy to talk to the, now. The, you know. the story about how he got hired, do you mm. remember it? Nope. He was just going to be one of the random bunnies. Mm -hmm. But when he, there wasn't going to be any Thumper, it was just going to be the random bunnies. Mm -hmm. And uh, they brought P Peter Ben mm -hmm. in. Yep. And uh, he's like, did the young prince fall down? And they were like, mm -hmm. oh, we have to have that voice. Though mm -hmm. so if you talk with him now, because he did this when he, he was four. To hear him talk, it's like all he remembers of going into the recording booth is the person would read him the line in with the inflection they wanted him to give, and he just parroted it back. It's like, nice. okay. And then, you know, in 1942, he goes and sees the movie, and it's like, oh, that's my voice. Now, you know, he's a guy in his 70s who is delighted to be interviewed but can't remember a damn thing. You know, it's just sort of like, oh, I yeah, was four. Yeah. I think I... I remember it was a room with a mic. And and then Walt says to me, he says, what do you think I should do with this Anaheim property? There and I says, go. Walt, I said. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've interviewed a few of those guys. Okay. <laughs> Mickey Rooney. Yeah. Why did you call him Mickey? Um, anyway, Thumper was the breakout character from that animated film. Bambi never got a walk-around character at the Disney parks, of that course. That would have been awkward as hell. Well, yeah, I mean, if you remember the... the Would you want to be the, the cast member in the back? Well, that's the thing. The two-person Pluto that they borrowed from the ice capades for the Oh, my Disneyland. God, that thing was horrifying. Yeah, mostly looked like a camel. So I would imagine doing Bambi <laughs> wasn't going to work. But on the other hand, in 62, as part of the Bill Justice new set of characters that were created for the park, we got a... A thumper and a flower. In fact, if you want to see them in action, folks, go on YouTube and look for the Disneyland 10th anniversary TV special. Aired on NBC back in January of 1965. And 15 minutes and 15 seconds in, you have thumper and flower coming down one of those side paths next to the Sleeping Beauty Castle. And Interesting looking, not as scary as the giant Scotty dogs, but that's another story. <laughs> Thumper was happening in the 1960s. Oh, yeah. 66, is that when the Storyteller, Disneyland Storyteller album came out? The, the, the story of Thumper's Great Race? Uh, uh, this is basically what? A reinvention of the, the Aesop fable, right? The Tortoise and the Hare? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or the Disney, the Disney classic cartoon. Toby the Tortoise yeah. and Max the Hare. So in fact, I think that's who he runs against, Toby Tortoise, uh, in this thing. Now, what's fascinating about this, the story of Thumper's Great Race, is that there are two songs in this thing. If you can't say something nice, say nothing, and it's so nice on the ice, that are written by Richard M. and Robert B. Sherman? Okay, why do, why do you think that's weird i mean they were the they were the house band but it's 1966 these guys have literally if they're doing think about it they're writing this movie or, or music for this storyteller album gotta be 1965 if it's coming out in 1966 okay they have literally just won the academy award all right they, they've stood there in front of their peers didn't they take home two it was for best song and best score yeah 
you're at the height of your careers and you, you show up to work and it's like, hey, we need a song for the rabbit, the stupid rabbit record that we're putting out through Disneyland Storytellers. And, and wouldn't that be a little bit of a come down? But it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was, we need your magic for this delightful Storyteller album that millions of kitties are going to hear. Because did the Sherman Brothers ever do anything half-assed? Boy, you are really putting me on the spot. Look, a big a dog with a big fluffy tail. <laughs> like a dog with a man's face. There we go. We're changing the subject here. Hey, oh, uh, now getting back to Thumper, uh, we jump ahead to the 1980s. And again, this is a character the company really wants to try to do some other stuff with. Mm -hmm. So it's the Disney Afternoon is out there, the, the syndicated animated block of animated shows. And they developed a Thumper's Thicket show. Which I have no idea where that would go. I mean, just literally, it's like, okay, so they go into the thorns and there are other rabbits hanging out there and what's episode two? On the other hand, the show that they developed at the exact same time that I really wish they put into development was Maximum Horsepower. Oh, I know! With Horace Horsecaller. Yeah. There we go. This is one of my favorite projects that Disney never put into production it has this wonderful premise that it's you know again think about it horace horse collar is in all of the early mickey shorts and then what is it the late 30s or thereabouts he disappears he's just gone and it's like what became of him and the conceit of this animated uh, television show was that horace was tired of being mickey's sidekick and so he's found out that mickey is auditioning for The Sorcerer's Apprentice, that he's, he's going to work with Leopold Sikowski. They're going to make a whole movie around him. And it's like, and Horace is just infuriated. You know, it's like, uh, how come I didn't get news of this audition? How come I didn't get the shot? And so he's stomping across the Disney lot. He's headed to go meet with Walt. I suddenly understand so much more about Bojack Horseman. And so what happens is the UFO appears over the Burbank lot and sucks Horace up and then blasts across the universe. And so Horace is now on the other side of the galaxy and he just wants to get back to Disney to get to make animated cartoons. But the thing is that these are aliens who were looking for a hero and evidently they had, you know, in kind of a galaxy's quest kind of a thing, mm -hmm. they had seen the short where Horace pretends that he's the weightlifter. And it's like, we need a really strong guy. That guy, let's get that guy oh, to no. battle. And that's the thing. So it's an actor on the other side of the universe who has to pretend to be this hero. And so again, it was Galaxy Quest before there was a Galaxy's Quest starring Horace Horsecaller. No good idea ever dies at Disney. Okay, Disney Plus, guys, you heard it here. Go dig out the files and yeah. I think call Tad Stones. I think oh, he actually worked oh. on this. What did yeah, you think so. of the Disney Plus pricing announcement? Six ninety nine? Did I yeah, hear that correctly? Yeah. Or yeah, and the the day after, I, I think it may have recovered a little now, but Netflix's mm -hmm. stock took a dive and Disney's stock took a jump. Yeah, but again, that was Friday. We, we, let's yeah, see what happens on Monday. Yeah, let's see what happens Monday. Yeah, but back to Bambi. Okay, so Bambi, because it's the 1990s and the 2000s, and this is what the Walt Disney Company does, Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment produces Bambi 2. The, it's a mid because it happens in the middle of the movie. Is that like Lion King one and a half? Something to that effect. Okay. Anyway, uh, what ends up happening is that this movie gets released theatrically in 2006 
down in South America and is released uh, Blu-ray, DVD, the whole schmear, February of that same year. And of course, now back up the truck, Disney Press, because this is what Disney does. It's like, all right, we need some books to support the release of Bambi 2. So they, they bring in these two uh, writers, illustrators, uh, Laura Driscoll and Kitty Richards. And it's like, okay, can, can you develop something? And interesting thing is they go off and work and they come back to Disney Press and say, okay, we can do what you ask, but we have a counterproposal. Just back in 2001, Disney launched Disney Princesses, and you know it's, it's become this huge franchise. Now, just last year, 2005, you launched Disney Fairies with the, what is the name of that book? Oh, Fairy Dust and the, the Quest for the Egg. And already that's shaping up to be Speaking you know, of Easter. big time. Mm -hmm, there we go. <laughs> but that's shaping up to be a big franchise for the company. So we think that... Disney Bunnies could be the next big franchise. And not, as you mentioned, that the notion of White Rabbit with Rabbit from... Uh, Boo you know, and, uh, yeah. And Roger Rabbit and all that. Just, no, we do, we focus in on this character, Thumper. And Disney Press, to its credit, listens, because they're looking at their product line, and they recognize that they have a specific hole. A rabbit hole. Well, they want this rabbit hole to engage toddlers, the 48 crowd, who are just beginning to read. And it's, it's kind of fascinating the way Disney Press does this. They deliberately build franchises and, and lines of product so they overlap. I mean, the idea is that Disney Bunnies appeals to readers 48. Preschool to elementary. Yeah. Then Disney Princesses, on the other hand, that's really aimed at a, an audience of, from 7 to 10-year-old girls. And then when they age up out of that group... They're tweens. Well, 9 to 12-year-old, that's the specific group. That's when they supposedly interested in Disney fairies. So in, in theory, you have this smooth transition of a kid starts reading, learns to read, doing the, the Disney bunnies, yeah. transitions to the Disney princesses, and... Then fairies, and then high school Reads musical. the fairies, and then it's straight into shades of, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey. No. Descendants. <laughs> There we go. Oh, even better. We are looking at this line, which is built around a rambunctious little boy bunny, and but we want this to appeal to girls because we want them to go from Disney bunnies to Disney princesses to Disney fairies, which is how Thumper ends up with four little sisters, Trixie, Daisy, Rhea, and Tessie. And then to bring this whole thing full circle, folks, so they're looking for the right way to bring this, this book out. They're looking for the right path in and what they decide to do is the inaugural title, I Love You, My Bunnies. And again, they, they announce this as a new line aimed at toddlers. And they create a story where Thumper and his sisters are making a special gift for their mama. They're making a basket filled with flowers. And Disney, not missing a trick here, brings this book out January 15, 2007, and deliberately positions it so it's available for purchase at Easter, which is April 8th of that year, and also on Mother's Day, which is just a few weeks later on May 13th. And then from there, it's just sort of like they also put out two other books in this period. They put out a Thumper Fluffy Tail book. So again, that's exactly what it is. It's a... a is like Pat the Bunny? Yes, that's it exactly. Okay. They, the Disney calls it a feel-and-touch book, and they have Thumper Finds a Friend, then in 2008... They put Thumper's Scary Night Out. They put out Thumper's uh, Summer Day. Two more, another year goes by, and we have 
Thumper finds an egg, which again, positioning it for Easter. They also create a board book with sliding windows called Good Morning Thumper. Oh, that sounds cute. Yeah, but by 2010, we're four years in at this point, and Disney's press enthusiasm for the, the, the bunnies line is obviously beginning to wane. So we get only one book released that year, and once again, it's another touch-and-feel book. It's Thumper's Furry Friends. In 2011, hoping to maybe, you know... Uh, Let's try something different. They actually do a Disney Bunnies sing-along song, play-around sounds book. But the problem is, in the same window of time, Disney's launching the Disney Babies line, and they've actually created a a standalone Disney Baby store. And it's it's kind of a thing where, like, look, nothing personal. I think this is a wonderful idea, but we're real reallocating resources. We're thinking rather than one line fake focusing on toddlers, we're thinking globally about Disney babies. The next year we get a Disney bait bunnies, Thumper counts to 10, but by now this is really, uh, this line is really more focused on being a Target and a Walmart exclusive. And from here we just continue to chug one title a year. 2013 we get Disney bunnies a day with Papa. 2014 we get another oh so you see you finally see papa what did your father tell you well see now that i hadn't thought of that so yes after all these years finally the answer we've been looking for what what thumper's dad looks like i think he looks like a rabbit i think that's probably a good answer (laughs) jumping ahead we get a board book a, a thumper goes thumping we get another Touch and Field book, uh, Thumper and the Noisy Ducks, which includes the label oh. Fuzzy Ducks and Bunnies Inside, oh. which line pretty much runs out of gas by 2015. Though the interesting thing is that just recently, a number of these Disney Bunnies books have now been repurposed for the Chinese market as part of the oh. Disney English Centers. Of- oh, have you heard about oh, this? oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This actually started back in September of 2008. In fact, it was supposedly part of the sort of lead-up to the Shanghai Disneyland Park. The the idea is that Disney created these English-language training centers for young learners. Typically, the the kids in the classes are from age 2 to 12. And so what they did is, again, remember, this is a a group of books that was created for toddlers. So I want to say as recently as 2018, they put, started putting the books out. In fact, I just came across today a copy of Thumper Finds an Egg, which is part of their World of Reading series. It's got a level one book. But the idea is that it's, you know, it's being used to teach people in China how to read English. And I guess... And how to love Disney, just like they do in America. See, now that's what I find kind of ironic about this whole situation, because... Here is Thumper teaching them to read the English language. And, w- and what the company is really hoping is that by the time these kids you know, are, are now proficient in English, what they're doing is now nagging their parents to take them to Shanghai Disneyland. Oh, so got it. by got then, it. they can then go hang out with another rabbit, which will be Judy Hopps, which will be part of the Zootopia land. But again, we don't have an opening date. On Zootopia yet. They announced it again January of this year, so no idea when the land actually opens. On the other hand, this show is closing. So, Michelle, if people are looking to, you know, they've enjoyed listening to you today, where else can they find you around the web? Um, They can find me at Mice Chat. 
And they can find me on the Pink Monorail podcast that I do with our daughter, Alice. And mm-hmm. they can find me here. And if they want their if they want their house designed, they can email me, Shelly at JimHillMedia.com. I do themed Got design. It. Before I forget, though, I wanted to applaud the folks over at MiceJet. How did you guys ever get Brady McDonald to come over? That is, I was just sort of startled to see the story that he did this past week about Galaxy's Edge. It was a great, great piece, but it's like, Dusty, I've been following his Dusty's work at Charms No, no, no boundaries. That's a really great find, folks, and you should definitely go check out his stories over at MiceJet. Now, speaking of other stuff to check out, over on my side of the fence, we got uh, the Disney Dish podcast I do with Len Testo. We have the Fine Tuning podcast that I do with Drew Taylor. Likewise, looking at Lucasfilm. And Boy, looking at Lucasfilm is going to be good this upcoming episode, isn't it? I hope so. I'm hoping Dan's all over uh, Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. So I really, really, really hope he comes back. I'm to looking some good forward stories. to listening. Me too. Uh, we also have the Marvel Us Disney podcast. Then, of course, the show you're listening to today. So please head over to iTunes and rate and recommend their shows. Go over to Bandcamp and subscribe to these shows. And okay, I guess that does it for our Easter show. And we'll be back soon with a brand new show.